Amazon Fresh. You know what sucks? Going to a grocery store. Every time I go, I feel like I'm in everybody's way. You stop for a second, and someone else is trying to get around you. People who work there act like you're an inconvenience. Everything's too narrow, and there's always something like three kids who don't want to be there and want the whole world to know. Would you pay 15 bucks a month in order to never deal with that again? That's Amazon Fresh. They do it for you and bring it right to your door. Follow the link on our Blog Talk Radio page and get unlimited grocery delivery for just $14.99 a month. Groceries on demand without any of the hassle. Amazon Fresh. And now, the season premiere of Puck University. to Puck University for our belated, belated season premiere. I wanted to get this going much earlier, but life intervenes. That's why I've left the hub of the universe for the college hockey no man's land that is the sun coast of Florida. That's right, Clay Witt country, where Amelie Arena has hosted six more Frozen Four games than Joe Lewis Arena ever did, and I'm still never going to get over that. It's wonderful down here and as a saint pete native i've always loved it but if you live in a place long enough as i did with boston you're bound to get homesick when you leave please excuse the work you may hear being done in the background i assure you it's must need much needed what i'm saying is i need some college hockey discussion and here to help me with that this week is friend of the podcast chris lynch who covers hockey for insidehockey.com and just about everything else on his blog, Chris's Corner. Chris, welcome back. Great to uh, great to finally be back here. And you have left the hub of the universe. I am still very much in the hub. Uh, I moved to Malden, Mass, and I drive all around New England, and I cover a bunch of games up here. So uh, don't worry. I've got your fix for you. Um, a couple of games you covered last weekend are pretty much a great place to start. We can jump into matters with the defending national champion, Denver Pioneers. You were there over the weekend as Denver pulled off a Commonwealth Avenue sweep, beating Boston University and then demolishing Boston College on Saturday night. Yeah, and the, the remarkable thing is how not close the second game was against BC. Denver... I I, re- I recognized this when I went to the Frozen Four last year in Chicago when Denver demolished Notre Dame and outlasted Duluth. Denver was the best college hockey team that year I've ever seen, and they graduated, I think, seven or eight guys, including uh, Will Butcher, who's now lighting it up for the Devils and having a great run uh, on uh, on that end in, in New Jersey. Um but even without that group of people, Jim Montgomery looked at the team that was coming back and said, this unit that is returning to uh, the Mile High City this year is the most talented team we have ever had. And my God, did they look like it. And uh, BC, I, don't, I, I, think, I think the Eagles have gone beyond the prime of going to the Frozen Four almost every single year. It's it's not the it's not Eagles country anymore, uh. So it was amazing getting to watch them. What they won six to one, and it didn't even feel that close, really. Yeah, it's one of those nights where when a team gets up early and they can just turn on the Jets and run away. Uh, where where we get Boston College's reputation always looms large, but I think you're right this year might not be the dominant Boston College people are used to, but Denver looks like they are going to be in the discussion once again after having won the national championship. They are currently number one in the USCHO poll. We'll get to the poll a little later, but they they look like a team that could absolutely make a run. I'll say simply that Denver is the best team in the nation right now. They have the most offensive talent. Tanner Gillette is total package, still the best goaltender in the nation. Um, and 
The only criticism of him is that he can overslide on the ice, but I mean, that's hardly any bit of a criticism because he covers so much ground and only being five foot eleven. Like I'm taller than him by an inch, and he moves so quickly. Um, but Denver's the best team, and they showed it against BC, but more so they showed it against BU the night before at Aganis Arena. In a classic back and forth game, they got up two to nothing on BU. BU tied it in the first period, and it was pretty even the rest of the way, and Denver only got the winning goal from Troy Terry with 16 seconds left to go in regulation. And BU is a young, frustrating team that hasn't quite figured out how to uh, how to win these kinds of big games yet. They're talented, but they don't have it all together mentally. Denver has everything together mentally. They deserve to be the top team in the nation right now. Beyond that, the NCHC is pretty dominant in and of itself this year. Right now, three of the top four teams in the country, as per the latest USCHO poll, are from the NCHC and four of the top ten. I don't think there's any question. They're the top conference right now. This year, it's been like this for a while, ever since the NCHC's founding. Think about this. The NCHC's first full season was 2013-2014. Every single year since then, the NCHC has had at least one representative in the Frozen Four. In 2014, it was North Dakota. In 2015, it was North Dakota and Omaha. In 2016, it was North Dakota and Denver. In 2017, it was Denver and and Duluth. They have had a representative in the Frozen Four every single season including the last two national champs. The NCHC is the best conference in the country right now. I don't think there's any possible way to argue that. It's so deep as well that Colorado College managed to earn a split with North Dakota last weekend. We're kind of used to, at least in recent years, we know Colorado College has a great tradition for hockey, but they've been in a bit of a down spell, but it looks like this year even they're going to be very competitive. So this is a conference where any conference matchup could go either way, even with a team as talented as the North Dakota Fighting Hawks. North Dakota, I think, will be in a little bit of a backwards year this year, not for being bad, but everyone else in the conference stepped up in a major way. And I got to watch the... uh, uh the Tigers come out and play against New Hampshire, and they they split a series out there. They lost six to three uh, the first night, even though they got forty odd shots on Danny Tironi, and he had maybe his best game of the season. And then the next night, uh, Leclaire, there, uh, the Colorado goaltender, had a great night. So um, the Tigers are a really good and really deep team. That. I'm checking the rankings to see if they're in it. They uh, are in the others receiving votes category right now with 47 votes. They will overtake some people. I think Michigan Tech will fall out of the uh, of the rankings at the bottom level of it. So um, it's incredible getting to see all this stuff lately. But yeah, the NCHC is the deepest. They, uh, they're the best conference. They have the most talent and... Uh, you can just tell based off of the teams that are out in uh, the the NHL talent that's coming from the conference right now. It's unbelievable uh, the caliber of athletes that they're producing. And it's great to see Colorado College get back because we certainly know one of the great rivalries in college hockey is Denver and Colorado College. So with Denver on top, having CC make some noise is really good as well because they're later on in the schedule those two teams are going to face off and it's really going to be something but this week the matchup of the week and I don't think there's much of a question about this is the North Dakota Fighting Hawks traveling to Wisconsin to take on the number seven in the country as of right now Badgers hey look at that it's almost as if college hockey is acknowledging that the old ccha and wcha were actually good conferences what a novel concept yeah it's almost like realignment really still ruffled some feathers you know yeah it's because it didn't it's deserved it deserved annoyance i actually got to see uh that wisconsin team uh take 
uh, they went out out to uh, BC and you know BC is having a down season. They kind of got beat, kind of kind of badly actually. Uh, how badly they ended up losing uh, five to two when uh, Wisconsin made the trip out here. And BC only got goals from uh, Graham McPhee and Chris Granato. Meanwhile, everyone else for uh, for Wisconsin looked amazing, and they they beat Merrimack the next night. Though that's not saying much. Merrimack's not a great unit, but uh, it's nice to know that Wisconsin is doing well. You need some Big Ten schools to. At the very least, we can say that the, that the Big Ten is on paper a great conference. And provides great rivalries like Notre Dame and Michigan, uh, Wisconsin and Michigan, Ohio State and Michigan. Man, everyone hates Michigan here. Yeah, and I, you know I look at the Big Ten, and right now, as a out of seven teams, five are nationally ranked, and Michigan is the top in the others receiving votes category. So just about six of the seven are nationally ranked. And my first thought on this is. That can't be real, can it? Can 86% of a conference be worthy of votes? I mean, um, based off records, I'm forced to assume so. But the team I'm most curious about in that conference is Notre Dame. They've got the leading assist man in the nation in Jake Evans. They've got still a good goaltender in Cal Peterson leading the way. And other than Andrews Bjork leaving, that top unit, like most of that unit at Notre Dame, that was set for a big push forward that I thought would uh, win the Big Ten is still there. And they've not played a conference game yet. They're 4-3-1 so far, which is one of the weaker records, but they've not played another Big Ten school yet. So, uh, And they're the newest team in there. But for the rest of the programs to be, I think Penn State is probably a little overrated. They're an even 500 team. I think they'll drop before uh, too much more is said. And my other thought on the Big Ten Conference and their performance in the rankings right now is poor, poor Michigan State. We're so sorry, Sparty. Yeah, why are they why are they so far down, especially with uh especially with uh Leodowski and and Hirose having pretty good seasons and pretty good starts to this point. And they're they're lumped in. They're, they've got a better record so far than Notre Dame, and they're come on guys, come on guys. Yeah, you would you would think um you'd think Magic Johnson would at least buy them a boat, vote or two, just <laughs> while he's spreading money around to every sport he can find. Oh no 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 no! He's still too concerned about Lonzo Ball and the Dodgers playing in Game Seven tonight. I saw he missed a World Series game to go to the Lakers opener. I feel like that was blasphemy against baseball. But he is a good owner for the Dodgers, and best of luck to any Dodgers fans listening to that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we it's a good time to move on to what will likely be an ongoing statement. What are the polls for again? Early rankings uh-huh. don't matter, and late in the season, the pairwise takes over. But it's fun to talk about these rankings. And the thing that sticks out at me is, Harvard is number three in the latest USCHO poll. They played one game. And it was against Dartmouth. And I was at that game. And there is a clear talent difference between mighty powerhouse Harvard and tiny Hanover-based Dartmouth. No offense to... I have an uncle who works at the Tuck School, which is the business school at at Dartmouth. But uh, guys, Harvard is miles better than the Big Green. So, yeah. I mean, there's actually, I spoke to Ted Donato, the head coach at Harvard, and he explained that the Ivy League has a rule that certain winter sports can't start uh, until four Sundays or four weeks before um, before Thanksgiving. That's an Ivy League-specific rule. So this isn't Harvard's fault. Like Donato has said that he wanted to get started earlier, but they couldn't do so because of Ivy League rules. No, it's not Harvard's fault, and there's certainly a great case to be made that Harvard is going to be a contender this season if everything goes according to their plan. They were great last year. They look like they're going to be great again this year. The only reason I bring it up is 
shouldn't early season rankings reward the teams playing best right now? And I'm sure in a few weeks, Harvard will be one of those teams. They might have been in there beating Dartmouth, but again, it's hard to take much from Harvard versus Dartmouth. But it just seems like the rankings, being that the pairwise takes over when it truly matters, they should be rewarding the teams playing best right now. And through no fault of Harvard's own, as as you pointed out correctly, I don't know if Harvard really should be the number three team in the country maybe in two weeks when they're playing like their contender selves again that that will be a different conversation good i take this moment to shamelessly plug a story that i'm writing right now about uh ted donato and the harvard crimson because uh i can say pretty definitively that this year's crimson team is talented enough to go to the frozen four and i, th- I think they will go to the frozen four again this year but for the question that you posed of why are polls here I don't know, just to cause uh, cause trouble and give Northeastern some hope in ranking them 15th, I guess, before they lose in the bean pot again. Uh, don't worry, my school isn't going to win either. Harvard is better than us this year, at oh, least right now. Oh, we'll get to hockey East. Don't worry. There's <laughs> plenty. There's plenty to talk about when it comes to hockey East and when it comes to their status in the rankings and how a three, four, and one team is ahead of the great Dick and Millie's New Hampshire program and ahead of the Northeastern program, both of which have better records in the same conference, but we'll get there in a little bit. I I'll think ask, it's, pardon? I'll ask one thing, uh, which, which uh, sports polling is work, col- worse, college hockey or college football? Because uh, college football's polls actually kind of really matter. These ones are just sort of fun to talk about and kind of stupid. At least we have a separate thing that takes over called the pairwise, which we, tend to agree is pretty good when it comes to sorting out these sorts of things. Meanwhile, college football, man, their rankings actually really matter for determining a national champion. And the playoff being just four teams, the rankings don't just matter. They they decide everything. They decide most of the season. Granted, Alabama seems like they're head and shoulders above the rest, but Really, the number five team in the country doesn't belong in, and what's the difference between the four and the five most years is kind of nebulous. So I, I agree with that, and you're right. We should be thankful college hockey's rankings are just here for fun. They're just here for us to talk about. They're just here for us to criticize. And thanks to USCHO for all the work they do, but including putting together this weekly rank. I agree. Uh it is, um, I will say only about one, o- one other comment about the football one. It's a different setup for the playoffs because if they open it up to eight teams or they open it up here, then you would be extending the college football season by another month or so because you can't play multiple football games in the space of a week. You can play multiple hockey games in the space of three, three days or so. You can't do that with football. So college hockey has that luxury that college football simply doesn't have. So in fairness for those sorts of rankings, it's probably the best you're ever going to get. And the the 16th seed getting into college hockey, there's a lot of good teams last year. BC didn't go to the national tournament and were good enough to make it to the hockey's championship game. So there's some good teams in in this sport too where – uh, the teams aren't going to make it in because there's only so many spots. Otherwise, we would be debating this forever, and we would never have a championship. Certainly. And the regular season and the playoffs have so much of a a tenuous relationship between each other that it's it's really about making sure that the teams that get in are someone who honestly deserves a shot, even if there are deserving teams also left on the cutting room floor. I agree. And also, uh, on your question of why a 3-4-1 team, BU, is ranked ahead of, uh, of the Umili team in New-, in New Hampshire, basically, it's voted on because of hype and because of potential talent. I think that on this current Boston University team, there is more talent than raw talent than on the New Hampshire team. But New Hampshire is playing better hockey right now. I don't think the polls always reflect the uh, expectations of uh, how the team is playing, but they often reflect the raw potential for all the dynamic players.
players that BU has. And all kinds of credit to David Quinn for recruiting, the head coach at BU, for recruiting this talent to uh, to BU. But they've not fully figured it out yet. Give it time. Give it the end of this month. And I think BU will be on a roll and they will be dangerous. But as of right now, they're simply not as good as UNH. And I agree with your... You didn't actually say this, but I think you're, uh, we're going in the direction of uh, UNH is a better hockey team right now and deserves to be higher up in the rankings at 5-1-1 one, and one, compared to 3-4-1. and one. It, it, It's just an odd quirk of how we do things, and, and you're absolutely right. Um, David Quinn's recruiting is uh, above question. They, they bring in... They bring in a haul of NHL draft picks, it seems, every year. So it's hard to, at this point, early in the season, when a lot of these games, they matter in the sense that every game matters, but you can rebound from a 3-4-1 start pretty easily. So it's hard to punish BU too much for that. It was just an easy way to to tweak someone that happened to go to BU and (laughs) they're the 12th team in the country. Meanwhile, UNH is tied for 13 and you look at it and you think, well, that's odd, but, but certainly there's a good case for it. And there's a, this is where you have to go on potential at this point in the season. As much as I joke about it, you have to, because that's what college hockey is. It's a long season and you can't just live in the moment. I mean, when do you start going off of things other than potential? Do you start about, I don't know, midway through the season? Or like when does that transition happen? Because there has to be a transition when you stop going off of potential. When everyone gets above double-digit games, like above like 11 or 12 games in, I'm just I'm trying to figure out when, uh, when we ought to start taking these polls a touch more seriously. Perhaps when conference play really kicks in around early January, when teams are playing to the competition that we can expect them to play the rest of the way, because you have such a disparity in early season schedules. Some teams will really challenge themselves. And that's part of why BU's three, four, and one, they've played a lot of very good teams early on, and they're going to, they run into a stretch where everyone in their next five games is currently ranked. So they're going to be playing a lot of tough teams. Meanwhile, there are other teams that load up on, well, they don't have cupcake opponents in college hockey, but the equivalent. Mm-hmm. I mean, Harvard is actually going to be one of those teams because after this weekend, when they get uh, home Ivy League matchups against Yale and Brown, which in-conference matchups are always a lot harder than they will ever appear to be. Just uh, So uh, Harvard is a better team than either than really than anyone else in the Ivies except for maybe kind of Cornell. But there's never an easy in-conference matchup. But after those two games, they are not playing a home game for the rest of the calendar year. So Harvard is still challenging themselves with a ton and a half of road games and filling up the back half of their schedule, basically, with home conference games against schools like Quinnipiac. So, yeah. Harvard will challenge themselves as well with their scheduling. Just a quirk that I asked Donato about as well. I'm, I'm prompting that story because that's what's on my mind as of late. It's not up yet. Uh, it should be up by tomorrow. I have to spend some more time editing it around. Just a quick small conference roundup while we're going around the country. Minnesota State is well on top of the WCHA, and it does feel bad to call them a small conference after all the realignment that's taken place and robbed them of what used to be quite a bit of luster. Minnesota State's currently ninth in the poll for what it's worth. It's nice to see them rewarded for their good early play, but I would watch out for Bemidji State in this conference because they have Michael Bitzer and in here, and he already has two shutouts this time around. Yeah, I thought Bitzer probably should have been a nominee for the Hobie hat trick. If if Bemidji had anything of an offense and would have made it into the NCAA tournament, Bitzer probably would have been in the Hobie hat trick, taking either Vecchioni or um, uh, or Nolan Stevens out. Butcher was going to be in regard was going to be in regardless. He was the best player on the best team, uh, and Bitzer had an unreal yield unreal year in goal if i could speak english but yeah uh 
it's a weird team looking at it up in Bemidji, but Minnesota State is the best unit right now. Uh, I don't think that's really a discernible question at this point. Michigan Tech is, I think they'll keep pace, and I think we'll, we may actually see two teams coming out of the WCHA, and I do think they're going to be the top two teams right now in state, uh, Mankato and Tech. But you're right to be uh, intrigued by Bemidji. But I have, uh, I just have one tiny little question for uh, the WCHA. When is Arizona State joining? We need to make sure they're not an independent school anymore. You know, on that note, there's a story that broke over the weekend where Hockey East Commissioner Joe Bertania said to UMass Radio that Arizona State approached Hockey East about membership. Now, that went about as well as you would expect, but that's what they've been doing these days. It's good to see a new college hockey program, but they have to fit in somewhere. And the Sun Devils, it might be a matter of pride that's preventing them from joining the WCHA, which is perceived at the moment, unfortunately, to be a small conference, even though it really seems like that's the place they should be. I mean, what else works geographically? Do you want to join the NCHC and get slaughtered by Colorado, Denver, Duluth, Miami, Omaha, St. Cloud? Who we we St. Cloud is unbeaten. We've not even talked about them yet, and we did a full little segment on uh, on the NCHC yet. Arizona State would at this point, just they're a young program. They would get slaughtered in the NCHC if they've approached them. Then that make then I'm sorry guys, but good luck. Then oh, with hockey east, geographically this makes no sense. And we just got done with having Notre Dame in the conference, and a school that's even further away is talking about joining in. Uh so that's not gonna work out. I actually have a uh a few suggestions for uh conference realignment still, which yes, we just went through all of this, but I have a few suggestions for how we should reshape this. I think Arizona State should join the WCHA, and I would do a one-for-one switch between the WCHA and Atlantic Hockey. I would switch Alabama-Huntsville and Air Force, just so we have some geographical consistency, so we don't have any more complications like this. Am I crazy for those suggestions? I don't think you're crazy about that at all. Um... Right now, Air Force, I would say, is the clear favorite in the Atlantic Conference. As so they should they, be. As, as they, they they've been excellent. They all they very well should have won it last year, but Canisius went on the run they went on to kind of steal the conference from out from under them. But Air Force is playing excellent hockey, but they have to take a lot of travel in to be in that Atlantic Conference. And they seem like they're only there because Army's there. And I like having the service academies paired. But look at a map. West Point, New York, and Colorado Springs are very far apart. Yeah, I mean, Saratori, the head coach, Frank Saratori of Air Force, was asked about uh, all the travel, and he, he quipped, well, thank God we are the Air Force Academy and not the Bus Force Academy. So Saratori uh, knows it. He's willing to joke about it, and that is the best program out there. Uh, it's the most historically relevant program out there but geographically they fit better in either the wcha or let's get crazy and put them in the nchc so that we can have a so that we can have three schools in colorado between uh the tigers the pioneers and the falcons and actually they have done a pretty good job of beating colorado college lately so that might not be so far-fetched yeah, not at all. It would be the local rivalries always help, and the ones that are unique to college hockey always seem to have their own life and their own. It you know, Harvard and Yale play each other in hockey, and it's kind of a big deal. Quinnipiac and Yale play each other in college hockey, and they're at each other's throats. So I think you know, even though we have the service academies that have so often played each other in just about every sport. It would be nice to see Air Force get some local rivals instead of having to travel halfway across the country to play their ostensible rival. Well, I mean, they do have the Pikes Peak Trophy between uh, Air Force and Colorado College, which is something, but I think we could do a little bit more with this. Uh, but yeah, that's what I... They We didn't quite get conference realignment right. We've got another piece of it right when Notre Dame left Hockey East, and they were very competitive, and 
they provided some great games in Hockey East, but geographically, they make no sense out uh, out East. They make a lot more sense where they should be against the Buckeyes and the Spartans and the Wolverines and the Nittany Lions. Those are the teams they should be facing. And let's get these other schools uh, facing the teams they should be. But uh, we did a whole podcast earlier on in the year about uh, what schools we would have uh, joined this, join uh, into this this sport of ours. So yeah, uh, yeah, we did, and unfortunately, as people pointed out to us, we missed Syracuse and Simon Fraser, which are the two most obvious schools to add to college hockey, and we just completely skipped over them. Hey, think about it this way. They're so obvious we didn't even need to mention them. That's, that's, that was my retort as well. You know, before we get to Hockey East, a quick word about HBO on Amazon. It's just about the end of midterm season, and that's prime procrastination territory for your average college student. Hey, Chris, have you ever been at a gathering and excused yourself from a conversation because your friends are talking about a show that you didn't catch up on? Many times. Many times. Well, here at Puck University, we're going to make the college students Thanksgiving easier. Follow the link on this podcast blog talk radio page to get a free seven-day trial. Catch up on Game of Thrones, Veep, Curb Your Enthusiasm, a laundry list of movies, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, or maybe just a little bit of boxing if you're still a boxing fan like myself. Just follow our link, HBO on Amazon, free seven-day trial. And now we're going to go ahead and get into Hockey East. We've been trying to disguise the East Coast bias, but Chris, it's time to talk about the craziness that is Hockey East this year. To I do mean, that, this, I, I think we have to start with New Hampshire. I mean, I'll just note about the bias. This is our conference. We went to two schools here, so uh, this is the thing we know best. And starting off with uh, with New Hampshire, it's okay. So I, when we did our polls, the Hockey East preseason poll, I submitted mine, and I'll disclose my poll in the way I submitted it. I did a preview piece on Inside Hockey as well, and I didn't list it in uh, in this order uh, on there, and I also didn't do a uh, uh, proper rankings in this way. But uh, so my rankings, I had BU first. I had. Uh, I had Providence second, I had Lowell third, and I had New Hampshire at fourth. And I was when I told people that I thought New Hampshire would surprise a lot of people, I'm gonna not say any names, but I was laughed at by a couple other uh, media people at Hockey East. I go to the first game of the season between uh, UNH and Lowell, and the Wildcats score with only I think 15 seconds left to go in regulation after just giving up the game-tying goal with the goalie pulled, and I'm looking at this going, hmm, whoever doubts uh, last-second victories for a team playing inspired hockey here? Hmm. Well, you know, it's Dick and Millie's last season, so we have to ask at this point, is this the start of a sports movie-style send-off for a legendary coach? Or is this one of the, we see them every year, college hockey's October mirages. You know, everyone loves Dicku Millie, so they want to send him off in the best light possible. I think hockey fans and people who have followed the conference are very happy to see that he's doing so well with the, with what is going to be his last season. But are, are we sure this isn't one of those quick Octobers that teams get off to often in hockey East? No. Uh, I'm absolutely certain that this is for real. And I say that because the defensive core for um, for New Hampshire is really wicked talented this year. For, uh, for goal scoring, Max Gilden has had an unreal start to the season with six goals, only one behind what would be the national lead for goal scoring. And he is a freshman on defense. Benton Moss has also been outstanding, and that is to say nothing of the good season that Danny Taroni has been having. And also, I've talked to uh, Taroni and Umili about the way the season has gone so far, and they have altered their culture a bit away from the rink. Taroni has talked about this. Like They've always had skilled guys there. Kelleher last year, a younger Kelleher this year. 
But in his time there, the culture has changed. It is a focused, energized place where they want to make Durham a hub of college hockey again, the way it was in the late 90s and early 2000s when they were competing for championships and winning the Hockey East. So I think this is absolutely for real, and I hope that it turns into a big-time sports movie-style send-off for a man who's going to win 600 games. When Millie came into the season with uh, 586 career wins, they've already got five, so he is nine wins away from getting 600 career victories as a college coach. He's so close. You mentioned when Durham was a a central focus point of college hockey in the late 90s and early 2000s. Well, that's when I was at Northeastern was the early 2000s. So I remember that was a powerhouse that would come in. And at the time, it was the very regrettable Bruce Crowder era at Northeastern. So they would just come in and wreck the house and then leave. But they they were a great team then, and it's it's almost a return to normalcy for me to see them up near the top of the conference. So I would love to see their great start continue. But while we're talking about the team with the great start, we can't ignore the two teams in hockey East that have really had a rough October. You mentioned Boston College; they're one five and one right now i don't uh, some people expected this might be a down year i don't think anyone expected that especially with two stompings that have gone against them against wisconsin and denver i mean tough opponents but those were stompings at the at uh, the expense of a big 10 school and uh, at the hands of a big 10 school and uh the the best team in the nation so uh, it is, it is very surprising to see them. They're ninth right now, in uh, in hockey East with two points. They're one and one so far, but it's really quite something to see how badly they've struggled. How they don't have the offense. Joseph Wool is a great goaltender. He is getting no help offensively, and I feel. This might be the only time that I say this about any Boston College Eagle as a BU alum, but I feel bad for Joseph Wool because he is making some great saves and he is trying his best to keep the Eagles in the game. And they have not figured out an offense to this point at Chestnut Hill. That's their big issue right now. Meanwhile, the University of Massachusetts Lowell is 0-4-0 in conference, 3-5-0 on the season, and sophomore goalie Tyler Wall has lost all four games he's been in net. It's a rough start for Norm Basin squad. Yeah, I thought they would be a good team again and would be competing for the the conference, but Wall despite having the perfect name for a goaltender, has been terrible so far. I really don't know what happened here. I went to the one game at the start of the season, and I've not been back to Lowell since, and I don't, I don't know what happened to them exactly. They, you'll be happy to know that this past weekend, they got swept in a home-and-home home by your alma mater, your beloved uh, New Hampshire... Uh, Northeastern Huskies at this spoke, but well done by uh, well done by you guys, and they're now out of the polls in the receiving other votes category. Yeah, and and I guess that would be a good transition for a little talk about Northeastern. For the first time in years, they realize the season starts in October as opposed to January, and they're off to a pretty solid start. Dylan Secura is second in the nation when in scoring with fourteen points. He's Hockey East Player of the Month for October. We learned that this morning. Adam Gaudet's third in the nation in points with 13. Now, Northeastern has their trouble minding the net. You've, you might have seen me on Twitter a couple of times saying in all caps, mind the net, like they might say in London. But it, they're going to score. They're going to score a lot. They've been, you know, they haven't missed a beat despite losing Hobie Baker, robbery victim Zach Aston Reese. Just kidding, Will Butcher. So you have to give the Huskies credit. They score goals. They give them up. This is going to be an entertaining group, if nothing else, of college hockey players. Oh, this is going to be fun. 
you guys over in Northeastern are in for a good time with uh, with the way that things are playing right now uh, at Matthews Arena. I'm actually going to uh, parts of the home and home between BU and Northeastern that's taking parts over the next over the next few weeks. So I will get to see firsthand how good they are, and I'm ex- I love Matthews Arena by the way. It's one of my favorite rinks and one of my favorite sporting venues I've been to so far. So uh, there's nothing like Matthews Arena, and and it's not that uncommon for a BU person to love Matthews Arena because very few people could ever love it as much as Jack Parker did, which, okay. as you might know, is why Aganis Arena has the same size ice sheet, 200 by 90, that they have at Northeastern. He he did that as a tribute to a building he's always loved and a building where unfortunately he did way better than any of the coaches on the other side that he he would face. Yeah, well, I mean, keep in mind, the BU hockey program started at Matthews when it was called the Boston Arena. So they got their start there before Walter Brown was built. I mean, Matthews is also the original home of the Boston Celtics and a long-time alternate home between the Boston Garden for uh, the Boston Bruins. So Matthews Arena holds this really interesting distinction of a remarkably important position for um, um, for college hockey, not only in Boston, but for some of the premier teams. Just worth noting that little detail. but. Um, Ryan Ruck will get it together in that. He'll be he'll be okay. I mean, Ruck has won a championship. He net-minded you guys to the Hockey East Tournament in 2016. The man knows what he's doing in crunch time, but I would be a little bit concerned about him. But for the rest of that offense, that's going to be fun. Just get Ruck a little bit more help so he's not bending over backwards is the only thing I'll say about uh, about the Northeastern defensive floor. Yeah, they need a little bit more on the on the blue line. They're getting some scoring out of their blue line. They have some some good scoring defensemen, but you need to be able to prevent the other team from taking shots. And it, it's one thing to have a nice backup plan at goalie with Caden Primo, who got drafted, and Northeastern goalies don't often get drafted, so that was a nice sign. But he's not off to a great start either. So Ruck is back in net as the as the presumed starter for now, and he's going to have to step it up if they're going to keep up their their good start and remain one of the teams in the mix. As I expect they will, because these Jim Madigan teams love to score goals, and seeing one that actually showed up in October is a great sign because you know they've under Madigan they've had a habit of getting down to the kind of record BC has right now and having to fight their way back the entire rest of the season, which is not any way to play in any level, especially when you've got the hockey East schedule staring down at you. Oh yeah. I mean, the thing that I'll note for uh, the Northeastern blue line, I'll pop uh, onto that topic for a moment. Uh, I'll compare, I'll compare them with New Hampshire, basically uh, Maz and Gilden up in Durham are great scoring defensemen, but they can also play the stick check game. They can play, they can put good hip checks on people. They can do the other tools needed to make sure that uh, things go well. Garrett Cockrell, I've loved watching him play, but need to see a little bit more out of him. Jeremy Davies, same kind of thing uh, along the blue line. And really the, the big draw of the freshman class, at least on the blue line, Billy Carabino for uh, Northeastern. I need to see a little bit more out of him defensively. I just hit someone, put someone through the boards. It's the fans. The fans will love you. Put an eagle through the boards. They'll love you over at uh, at Northeastern. Would you would go crazy if uh, Billy Carabino were to put someone through the boards, right? Oh yeah, and and that's going to be. They need that home ice advantage too. They need to get the doghouse into it because there's something that. In good years and in bad years, nobody wants to deal with the doghouse hanging above their goalie. So if if Northeastern can start doing things besides scoring goals that would energize the fans, like checking a couple players that play on one side or the other of Com Ave, because it depends who you are at Northeastern. You, both of those schools are kind of the rival in and of themselves. So a couple of hits like that to get the fans into it 
even more would would only do them well because like you said there's a special uh, uh, matthews arena is a very special place and when northeastern's packing it packing them in and the student section's really going it can be a tough place to play especially now that northeastern's actually good at hockey which that depends on what class you're in they, they often are not so Move, moving on really quick, you touched on BU a bit, but I, I think that we could still spend a little more time there as well. That they faced Providence for a second time on Friday. They lost to Providence last Saturday, and then they play Northeastern Saturday of this week. Their next five games, including those, are against conference opponents. All of them have numbers next to their names. Now, we know that Dave Quinn can recruit excellent, excellent hockey players. And every year, much is expected of the Terriers as a result. Despite this record, after all, they're still 12th in the voting. And really, as much as I made fun, it's hard to argue that. So, Chris, is the record, we talked about it a little bit, that it might be the result of a front-loaded schedule. But is the front-loading schedule a blessing or a curse, do you think? Uh, depends on your perspective. It's baptism by fire for a lot of young guys on this uh, on this team because it, they lost a lot of pieces. Like major major players graduated, like uh, Julius Summerby and Nick Roberto, and then they lost a bunch more people. Charlie McAvoy and Jacob Forsbach and Carlson and Clayton Keller all left afterwards and they brought in a ton of new freshmen like uh Casper Capizzolo, um Cam Crotty, David Ferrance, Shane Bowers, Ty Monty, Hank Crony, uh younger brother of uh, Garrett Cockrell Logan on the forward line. But uh uh it's a it's a unique situation because they draw in a ton and a half of uh of young recruits but they have not a lot of seniors. I mean, Brandon Hickey and Nick Olson are old guys who are great players and will play well. Uh, Bobo Carpenter and uh, Jordan Greenway, good players as well. But the young guys haven't quite, like th- this team hasn't meshed quite yet. And they haven't played up to their potential yet, which from the perspective of it's a blessing if it works, and it's a curse if it doesn't. And it hasn't worked quite yet, I think. So seeing as how it hasn't worked quite yet, I, I have to say it's a curse. But uh, I've, I've deemed BU in recent years as the almost champions of college hockey. They're, to use a quote that, um, that NFL player Lee Flowers used once against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, paper champions. There are, would be a good thing to say about BU because they have excellent players every year, but they still haven't really broken through yet. And as you know, and as anyone that follows that program knows, at BU, success is measured in trophies. There's no such thing as, well, we had a lot of good NHL players. That's nice. They they want trophies. If you don't come back with the Bean Pod or the Hockey East Tournament or the National Championship – it's not going to measure up to the great BU teams. So in that regard, I really like the early schedule. It's Dave Quinn kind of telling his team that you need to be able to beat the best. You can't just wipe the floor with some guys in October and be happy with it. They're going to they're going to be measured against the best. It's going to come down to whether they can beat the likes of a Northeastern and Harvard in the bean pot, whether they can beat the top teams in Hockey East and the Hockey East tournament, whether they can get to the Frozen Four. So they have to be thinking about that in early. And even though they they have a lot of turnover, I kind of like to joke that David Quinn's becoming the John Calipari of college hockey. They need to focus on those tournaments because by that analogy, certainly Kentucky doesn't take a year off. Oh, God, no. Uh, they... I admire Quinn for being so aggressive and going after the schedule. Well, the the BU athletic program, Quinn doesn't do all the scheduling by himself. There's a there's a whole bunch of people who help put that together. But but the that's that's beside the point. Um, it's a weird team to look at for me, just for uh, what I've saw what I've seen out of them, the talent that uh, they have, and I 
I don't know what to expect out of them, honestly. They're a good unit. They have all the talent pieces, but I don't know if they figured out the mental aspect of the game quite yet. Because they skated with Denver. They skated with them. I wish you could have been at a Gannis Arena for that one, because that was a masterclass of what college hockey can be. But Denver's been there before. Troy Terry's been there before and fired a great shot, and Jake Ottinger is tired. And I'll note this about Ottinger. A 6'4", 205-first-round uh, pick for the Dallas Stars in this year's draft. He has not a lot backing him up. Nico Lynch, who hasn't gotten into a game, and Max Brodzik, who... They don't feel like they could put him into a game. So I wonder if this early schedule is going to get to Ottinger and if he's going to be burned down by the time uh, the late tournaments come into play. That's just one concern I've got here. And finally, while we're still on Hockey East, is Providence the favorite in the conference as it stands with this early play? I know you said you picked BU, but does the do the first few games change your mind on that, or is it still BU? Um, I'll tell you after Friday because I'm up in the air. Basically, I look at them as a 1A and a 1B for uh, who should be the favorites. I honestly thought that Providence was a little overrated coming into the season, but I was wrong about that. They've Nate Lehman has done a hell of a job in getting uh, ready, and Hayden Hockey, who, by the way, he has the perfect name for... Uh, for this sport. He's done a magnificent job. He's been their best player. If I'm not mistaken, he spells it in the way John Bouchagras spells hockey, does he not? Yes, he does. Uh, it's beautiful. There have been many tweets and memes about this on Twitter. It, it is a beautiful thing. Okay. Chris Lynch of InsideHockey.com. Tell the listeners where they can follow you on social media and where they can read your writing that's coming this week about Ted Donato and Harp. Uh, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at CC Lynch Wall. It's an inside joke. I'll tell you some other story. It's not that interesting here. But at CC Lynch Wall on Twitter and on Instagram at CC Lynch 16, the year I graduated from BU. Uh, and I am releasing some content on Harvard, and I'm going to do a uh, lessons of the first month of college hockey on Inside Hockey. It's www.inside insidehockey.com uh, you can check out all, all my material there and as a final quick note congratulations to St. Cloud State junior defenseman Jimmy Schult who was named the National College Hockey Player of the Month for October so can't, can't forget that because you said we didn't mention SCSU and you're absolutely right we should have they're undefeated they're excellent and Schult has been the highlight of it what a, what a great month for him and looking forward to seeing more from him in the future. That's Puck University for this week. Follow the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and our host site, Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Williams. For Chris Lynch up in Boston, thank you for listening. And as always, keep your head up, it's clean.